Hi, are we connected? Are we connected? Sound check, sound check, sound check out there. Fritz Bergen, Blood and Faith. Dot com. It's Sunday morning. It's 10.30 Mountain Time, January 7th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Traditionally, that year, 2023, actually, it's 2024, isn't it? Thank you for reminding me. What that year signifies is the number of years since the birth of Jesus Christ by tradition. Now, scholars will tell you that it's off by about four years, Um uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's neither here nor there. The point of this is that it is the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anno Domini. Anno Domini, Latin for the year of our Lord. The year of the Lord Jesus Christ. God Almighty incarnated about 2,024 years ago. Came to the earth as a Savior. Came to the earth as God. Came to the earth as the Almighty. Came to the earth as the Messiah. Ergo, therefore, it is the year of the Lord, 2024. 2024 years since the incarnation of God on earth in Jesus Christ. This is the most phenomenal thing in the history of the world, short of creation itself. Short of creation itself, this is the most phenomenal thing that ever happened in the world. Oh, you're getting me started. You're getting me rolling. Why don't we record this? And we can start afresh, start anew, start again. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com. It's 7 January 2024. Uh, welcome family members on the road. Welcome family members present. Welcome uh, family members out there on the internet that I have neither seen nor heard nor met yet, but I will someday. We're going to talk today about uh, Abraham and the sacrifice of his son Isaac. I've got three sons and a beautiful daughter, and uh, I have to be, I was talking to my family last night, and I have to be quite, well, not surprisingly honest, it's like, I don't, I, I, <laughs> I struggle with this, and more than struggle with this, I, I don't, I don't, how can a man do this? How can a man do this? But we'll get into it, we'll get into it here. And we're going to learn about who Abraham married. We're going to learn about who Isaac married. We're going to learn about who Jacob married. And we're going to learn about the bride of Jesus Christ. Try to bring it all together. There's so much with Abraham. There's so much in his story. There's so much with who he is. At the time this happened, there was a couple of towns out there. You've heard of them. You've heard of Sodom. You've heard of Gomorrah. You've heard of sodomy. It comes from Sodom. It comes from the town of Sodom. The town of Sodom was wicked exceedingly before the Almighty God. And there's very few times in the Bible where the Almighty personally intervenes and steps in and destroys entire societies. But he does do that. He destroyed Babel. We learn about that in Genesis chapter 11. The Almighty destroys Babel. He comes down. He says, listen, this is not what I told you men to do. I did not tell you. No nations, no borders. That's not my slogan. Anybody, anytime you hear somebody say, no nations, no borders, think of yourself, hey, that's what the devil does. That's what Satan himself does. That's what evil man, rebellious man did at Babel. No, no nations, no borders. We're all one. We're all one. We're all the children of God. God hated Babel, hated it with a passion. He comes down. 
He says, see what these men are doing? They're doing, they're rebelling against me. They're doing the exact opposite of what I told them. I told them to spread out across the face of the earth, and they are already in rebellion against me. So God intervened personally. He changed their languages based on the race of the men. He didn't change them willy-nilly. He didn't says, say, okay, here's two brothers. I'm going to give make one speak Greek and the other speak Chinese. No, no, no. He says, here's a, here's a line of descendants from a common man. For example, he said, hey, here's, here's Eber. Here's a man named Eber. I'm going to cause his descendants to speak a separate language, and they're going to speak Eber, Eber, Eberu, Hebrew. He caused the descendants of Eber to speak Hebrew, and he forced the nations apart. He forced the bloodlines apart to see which bloodline, Acts chapter 17, verse 26, would serve the Almighty God. Which bloodline out there will serve the Almighty God? He determined their times and their boundaries to see who would serve the Almighty God. And many did not. Sodom and Gomorrah, sons and and, uh, children of Canaan, an evil, wicked man. An evil, wicked man. They practice evil practices. In the, in, the, in the book of Genesis, it talks about Sodom, how the young and the old, this is wicked, the young and the old from all quarters of the city came to have carnal relations with the, with the visitors, with the, with the angels that were sent to rescue righteous Lot out of Sodom. The angels show up to take Lot out of Sodom, and, and young and old, young and old from all parts of the city show up. It wasn't a strange aberrations. This was the common culture of that time, and we're trying to rebuild that in the United States where we're teaching the young to go down that road in our public schools. There's cultures and nations and tribes in certain parts of the world. I won't say where. It's not hard to figure out. And when a female becomes physically mature, They do what happened in Sodom. It's it's brutal. And anybody says it can't happen, it has happened. It happened in Sodom. It happens in cultures around the world. God hates this, and he will do destruction. He will bring destruction. And in the midst of this vile evil, this vile evil, God says, okay, now I got a man. I got a man. I got a man. His name's Abram. I got a man, Abram. He divided the nations and the races to see which race would serve Jesus Christ. Sodom would not. The Canaanites would not. A son of Terah would. A son of Terah would. His name is Abram, whose name is changed to Abraham. God said, okay, this is the guy. This is my man. This is my man. I'm going to take him. I'm going to build a race out of this man. I'm going to build many nations out of this man. While the evil of Sodom was going on, the Almighty approaches Abram. He says, Abram, he says, get up, leave your father's house, leave the land of them. Go to the land that I'm going to show you. And he sent him to the land of the Canaanite. I'm not going to give you the full backstory, but Abram was there with his wife. His wife was his half-sister. 
The wife of Abraham was his half-sister. The wife of Abraham was the daughter of his own father, but the daughter of another woman. Interesting. Interesting. Mind you, Adam. Who was the wife of Adam? Did God create some sort of separate being that was completely different than Adam? said, okay, I'm going to create this woman out here in the woods and have her trot through the woods and find Adam. No, he made Adam go to sleep. He said, I'm going to take your very, your exact genetics, not a different genetic line. I'm going to take your exact genetics. I'm going to take a rib from you, your own genetics, Adam. I'm going to take from you and make you a wife, make you a partner, make you a spouse, make you your perfect mate. The exact genetics of Adam. He didn't take and create another woman, another human being, another person with different genetics. He said, no, your exact genetics, Adam, shall be thy wife. And you go and look at Abram, whom God chose, and he says, your, your wife is going to be your own sister. Half-sister. And we'll go in and we'll look at Isaac. He married his aunt's granddaughter. We can look at Jacob. He married his cousin. It's the production of a race of men that would serve Jesus Christ. Anybody that tells you that race and genetics and biology don't matter are the same people that have said for 2,000 years that Christ came in the flesh. No, excuse me, that Christ did not come in the flesh. He came in the Spirit. This was an early heresy in the church. Early heresy. Oh, it's the Spirit of Christ. It's the Spirit of Christ. And literally, the definition of Antichrist is that we deny that the Christ actually came in the flesh. The physical being matters. The physical being matters. I didn't write this. This is in the Holy Scriptures. Adam is given a wife literally from his own exact genetics. Abram is given a wife that's his half-sister. Isaac marries the granddaughter of his aunt. Jacob marries his first cousin. God was building a race. He's building a race. He's building a race. Jesus Christ is the son of David. David is the son of Jacob, renamed Israel. Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. Abraham is the son of Terah. Terah is the son of Eber. Eber is the son of Shem. Shem's the son of Noah. Noah's the son of Seth. Seth's the son of Adam. Adam's the son of God, according to the Gospels. The bloodline matters. If it doesn't matter, why? Why the genealogy of Jesus Christ from himself all the way back to Adam? So here's this man, Abraham. God chose me. He says, this is the guy. By the way, Adam, Abraham was a very handsome man. He was an extraordinarily handsome man. Probably the most handsome man on, on earth since Adam. How do I know this? How do I know this? Why do I know this? Because he's the half-brother of Sarah, who the Bible is very clearly says she was exquisitely beautiful. 
extraordinarily beautiful woman, so beautiful that Abraham knew he was going to get murdered because everybody wanted her. She was that beautiful. She wasn't just, you know, oh, you know, she's so cute. She's a cute little girl. No. There was something extraordinarily beautiful about Sarah. Unspeakably beautiful. So that kings yearned to have her as a wife. King can have anybody in their whole race, their whole kingdom, their whole tribe. They could have anybody they want as a wife. They, they said, no, no, we want the one from some other tribe. We want this woman named Sarah because she's unusually and extraordinarily beautiful. Could have had any woman in their own bloodline, any woman in their own tribe, any woman in their own kingdom, in their kingdom. They said, no, we want Sarah. Beautiful woman married to her half-brother, who was obviously a handsome man. The ancestor of Israel, the ancestor of David, who was a handsome man, the Bible says, a handsome man. Goliath and Goliath's tribes mocked him because he was so good-looking. The Bible says he's the son of Jesus Christ, is the son of David. We won't get into that, but when we won't get into that today. <laughs> but there's something there. People knew the difference between the Galilean, Jesus of Nazareth, and the average person that lived around Jerusalem. Too much to get into. So God tested Abraham, Genesis chapter 22. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said to him, here I am. Here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Take now your son, your only son, your only son, whom you love. What do you mean my only son? Didn't he have Ishmael? Yeah, he had Ishmael. God didn't count him. No, Ishmael's fine. I got it. I'll take care of him. I'll bless him. But he's not the race that I'm producing. I'm going to produce a race out of Isaac from this beautiful woman called Sarah. Take now thy son, thy only son, thy only son, thy only son. Forget Ishmael. Thy only son, Isaac. whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. This is hard. This is harder than I can imagine. I have children, and I love them more than my own life. More than my own life. And the Almighty says to Abraham, Take thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom you love. Bring him to the land of Moriah and take him to a mount that I'll show you when you're on the way. And offer him up to me as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice. And so Abraham did. He gathers up his son, Isaac. Ishmael's not there. He takes two servants. He packs up some firewood he takes a knife he takes some fire and they travel several days 
to the land of Moriah, to a mountain which God will show him. And he gets there, and the Lord says, okay, I want you to take him up there. And he tells the men, the two servants, he says, stay here. And he packs the cordwood, he packs the firewood on, on the back of his son Isaac, loads him up. They didn't have Toyota Tacomas back in those days. And he didn't even take a donkey with him for this final trek. Didn't even take a donkey. He puts the cordwood on his son's back. He takes the knife in his hand, and he takes the fire in his hand. And this is the part I struggle with. It went on for days. We read it, and we read it in two minutes, and it's over. And this went on for days, for days. They're traveling for days, day and night, and they get to the place. And then he takes off with his son alone. And for days and for hours, he's turning this over in his soul. Literally, this is a man 100 years old. And he's going to take his son, his only son, the son of whom he loves, and he's going to offer him up to God as a burnt offering. And it's more than just this is my son whom I love, although that was his son, his only son. But all the purposes and all the goals and all the dreams in his life were about to go on that burnt offering. This is the very God who promised that nations would come from him. And he's saying, take that one child whom the nations will come from and offer him up as a burnt offering. And this is turning over and over and over in the heart of Abraham. The agony, the agony, the agony. It's a very difficult thing, and I don't understand it because I have not been there, and I have not done that. But Abraham did. And he takes his son up, and he builds a fire. And he binds his son whom he loves. I cannot understand this. And he puts him on the altar and he lifts up his knife to slay his son. And he hears God from heaven said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Lord, here I am. He said, don't you touch that child. Put your knife down. He says, now I know. Now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you fear God above your own life, above your own son's life. Now I know that you fear God. God sent him there to test him, to test him, to see if he feared God. And Abraham did. He was willing to put his own son to death and offer him up as a burnt offering to the Almighty on the altar. And all the hopes and dreams of his life, all the promises of God in his life were to go up as a burnt offering. And at that point, God said, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you fear me. Until then, I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are, Abraham. 
but I'm going to test you to find out who you are, and that is the purpose of this life. That is why you and I have the honor of going through the little trials that we go through, the tiny trials that we go through, the insignificant trials that we go through. Is that not what Peter said? Rejoice when you encounter various trials, if necessary, that the proof of your faith, even being more precious than gold, should have an eternal weight of glory for you. It's hard. It's hard. But this is the proof of our faith. Where are we at? Who are you? Who are you? You can say something. You can do something. Are you willing to put it all on the altar and burn it? Abraham did. He had faith that God could even raise him for a dead or give him another child or whatever the case was. Raise him from the dead. God was able, able to raise him from the dead. Here I am, my son. And he says, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? This is what, before the sacrifice happened, Isaac asked his dad. And, and, and Abraham says, The Lord himself will provide. A sacrifice. The Lord himself will provide a lamb for the offering. Long before Moses, there was burnt offerings. Noah comes out of the ark and he offers burnt offerings to the Lord. Cain and Abel offered offerings to the Lord. This is long before the books of Moses. Blood, the requirement of blood, not vegetables. When Adam and Eve sinned, they had vegetables to cover their nakedness. They, put, they, they stitched plant leaves together. God said, no, that ain't going to work. It's blood, baby. It's blood. It's only blood. And he took and he slew some sheep, the Lord did. And he made clothes from animal skins for Adam and Eve to cover their shame, to cover their sin, to cover their nakedness. Blood is required. In the Revelation, it says, Revelation 13, verse 8, it says, And all who dwelt upon the earth shall worship him. Worship him. Who's him? It's the Antichrist, which is not what we're talking about today. Except for those whose names are not written in the book of life, whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain since the foundation of the world. Because Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son, his only begotten son, whom he loved, the Almighty says, okay, this is a worthy partner. This is a worthy mate. This is a worthy bride for the Son of God. And the Almighty took His only begotten Son, His only begotten Son, the only begotten Son. We're not all the begotten sons of God. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And He sacrificed Him on that altar. And He shed His blood to pay for the sins of mankind. This is the Jesus Christ who was slain even from the foundation of the world. And Abram, Abraham, that man, becomes the worthy partner. The worthy partner, the bloodline. From which we get the bride of Christ. Not a different creature, not a different kind, but worthy. Worthy. 
They came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac. What's going through his mind right now? There's a death. He's dying every minute. Abraham's dying every second of this journey. He's dying inside. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, I am here. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know. that you fear God, since you have not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. There is no other way. There is no other way than to be tested and tried. There is no other way for all of us in the little trials we have in this life. Later on, Sarah dies. This is wrapping it up with on the marriage. Abraham sent a servant. He said, go back to the land of my kin. Go to my kin. Go to my own kin. I, I don't want any my son marrying anybody that's not of my own kin. You're gonna, he's going to marry somebody of my kin. I, I'd rather be dead than that happen. And he found the, Rebecca, and the girl was very beautiful. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. There's a common theme here. Very beautiful. We'll find that Rachel's very beautiful too, the wife of Jacob. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and filled up the jar and came up. This was his first cousin at once removed, his grand, his great aunt's, his, his aunt's granddaughter. Adam marries his own rib. The Almighty does not seek a bride for His Son that is fundamentally different. We are the bride. We are a chosen race. We are a chosen race. We are a holy priesthood. We are the nation and tribe of God. And as Abraham gave his only begotten Son, so the Almighty gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And it is his blood. It is the physical blood of Christ that wipes away the sin of Sodom and the sin of Gomorrah and the sin of our ancestors and the sin of Adam. So we have so that Jesus Christ has a bride that's worthy of him. That's the same blood as him. That's the same blood as him. Fritz Bergen. Happy Sunday morning. Bloodandfaith.com.